Hello, and welcome to the Talking Techniques podcast. Brought to you by Biotechniques, this show brings you the latest from the frontiers of the life sciences, straight from the people exploring them. I'm your host, Biotechniques digital editor, Tristan Free, and this episode, supported by Technova, is focusing on high-performance liquid chromatography and the technique's role in the development of adeno-associated viral therapies, otherwise known as AAVs. Coming up, we'll discuss the latest focuses in AAV development, And so right now there's a big push in the field to develop better capsid technology to fully dictate where in the body the AAVs will go. That's ultimately going to depend on how you design the capsid associated with the AAV. So that's a very exciting part of the field right now. The vital importance of HPLC quality control in the production of AAVs. Of course, we can't forget that the ultimate goal of all these products is to enter a human body. And so having these quality checks is is quite critical. And, once again, where the field stands with reproducibility. What the field is craving right now is some level of standardization. You would be amazed at how, although everyone is making AAV, they are all using different processes to get to the same answer. It's like the Wild West out there. My guest today is Bella Newfield, Director of R&D at Technova. Bella, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So, Bella, firstly, what what is high-performance liquid chromatography, uh, or HPLC, as we'll probably refer to it in shorthand throughout the rest of the podcast, um, and how does it differ from other chromatography-based analytical techniques? Sure. So HPLC, or high-performance liquid chromatography, as you mentioned, is a method of separation for certain analytes based off their physical or chemical properties. And as mentioned in the title, it is very much a form of liquid chromatography as opposed to grass chromatography. Um, Just like all chromatography, the separation is based off the interaction of the analyte between what we call the stationary and mobile phase. And when we talk about stationary phases, we're really talking about what the column is packed with. We talk about mobile phases, we're talking about the buffers or eluents that are used to move the analyte through the column. And the reason that HPLC is so powerful or phenomenal is that it's used across many different industries because of its robustness. And that's really related to the different types of chromatography that someone can employ within HPLC. So by that, I mean, you can use different columns and different detectors that allow you to use a wide variety of different types of analytes. And so because of this, it's very cross-disciplinary in that it's used in big pharma, food industries, environmental for water samples, et cetera. Um, And that makes it a very powerful technique. So when we talk about different types of chromatography, we can think about things like affinity chromatography, ion exchange, size exclusion, hydrophobic interaction, all of which can be coupled to different types of detectors. Could be refractive index detectors, uh, UV vis, fluorescence, et cetera. And so that makes it a very powerful tool. Um, Additionally, when you couple things like HPLC to a mass spectrometer, you get a lot more capability with the ability to analyze certain types of analytes. So you can use the HPLC or the LC part of the, of the system to separate analytes within a highly complex matrix. And then you can couple that with mass spectrometry as the detector MS, often called LCMS, to get additional confirmation of your analyte based off that secondary technique. So it's quite a powerful tool that's used across, across many different industries. Okay, so it's used in in lots of different areas, but today we're going to be focusing in on the adeno-associated viral therapeutic development. So can you give us a a brief overview of, uh, sort of top-line overview of of how those therapeutics are developed? Um, And then we can have a look at how HBLC fits into that process. 
Absolutely. So adeno-associated viruses, what we call AAV, are just one sect of the gene therapy industry. And so when you think about gene therapy, you have both viral and non-viral delivery systems. Obviously, AAV is considered a viral delivery system. And these have a lot of promise in both gene therapies and also vaccine development. And that's because they have what we call tropism or stereotype-specific uh, interactions. So based off the virus capsid, and how we define that, we can actually dictate how it will interact or where it will go within a human body or within a system. And so that allows it to be very promising in that, in that role of gene, deli gene delivery or vaccine delivery. Um, however, to make AAVs, it's a very arduous and costly process. So the manufacturing of these drugs is extremely difficult. And so having highly uh, accurate and critical analytical characterization techniques to help probe these very complex structures is really the push for the field right now. And so that's where HPLC and LCMS really enter into this conversation to say, we recognize that AAV manufacturing is quite difficult and that a lot of um, unintended byproducts are created in this process. And so how can we get a better understanding or better information about what's actually coming out at the end of the process? So again, those critical characterization techniques, those analytical tools that come with things like HPLC and LCMS become really necessary in this process. So those those tools are really being used to, um, to validate that the product that you're getting is is pure and, and the correct product that you are aiming to produce is not necessarily involved in the actual production of the, um, the AAV. That's right. And that's actually a very important distinction because we often talk about chromatography and what we call the downstream process of AAV manufacturing. And that's related to the purification steps. So a different type of chromatography, often what's called FPLC, is used in the purification and actually implemented within the manufacturing process itself. That is a different and also very fascinating conversation. What we're talking about is really quality checks along the way of your manufacturing process, both in the upstream and downstream part of that, using HPLC and LCMS. So it's very much a characterization tool, not directly used in the manufacturing process. So that sounds like there's quite a lot of steps of, um, of analytical steps within the production process. So what's the kind of impact of that on um, the direct impact of that on a, on a researcher's sort of hands-on time and their involvement in, in these, um, these development steps? So one could imagine that by implementing additional quality checks throughout the process, you're actually lengthening the, the process itself, right? Because now you're implementing additional checks along the way. However, I would argue that there is no point in moving forward with the production steps if we have not ensured that the quality is maintained throughout the process. So indeed, it can add additional time, but these are really critical steps that are necessary to ensure that we move to the next process. So for example, there are multiple purification steps within the manufacturing process. And after each purification step, it's critical to assess the product at hand before moving on. Because one can imagine if that step does not is not efficient or effective, then there's really no point in moving to the, to the following step. So while it does increase the time potentially, it's absolutely necessary. And of course, we can't forget that the ultimate goal of all these products is to enter a human body. And so having these quality checks is, is quite critical. Right. There's, there's no prize for getting there quickly with a, an ineffectual and potentially harmful product at the end. I would certainly hope not. <laughs> um, so are there any other, in addition to these, the significant time required to uh, to produce these therapeutics and and develop new ones? Uh, are there any other additional challenges to the production and and development of new AAVs? 
the manufacturing process of AAVs is, is extremely challenging. And there are a lot of pain points or hurdles along the way that many people within the field, there's a huge push for AAVs in the field right now. So many people are working on these issues. You can essentially take any point within the manufacturing process and try to address those, those problems. When we, when we think about it from an analytical standpoint, however, it turns out we're using very old tools and techniques that were developed for previous drug manufacturing processes to address current AAV manufacturing. And that's just not efficient and they don't always apply one-to-one. So right now, one of the main challenges from an analytical standpoint is to say, how do we develop novel characterization techniques that are truly specific to AAV, both the capsid and the genetic material in which it incorporates, to probe or better understand, again, these highly complex structures. So we really, it's really the point where we need to think outside the box when it comes to analytical characterization to say, what can we employ that we have not yet thought of that actually probes the, the concept that we're trying to understand better? Um, and, and when you ask that question, um, when you think about what what you can can be doing better, that these old-fashioned techniques that people have been using can't deliver, what's the answer that you come up with when you when you ask those kind of questions? Well, I think HPLC is a great tool for that. I also think LCMS will be a big help in that in that field. Um, one of the areas that are, it's a really promising area right now within AAV uh, characterization tools is to look at the, the level of what we call empty and full capsids. So it turns out when you make AAVs in a manufacturing facility, you end up with some viral particles that have the genetic material encapsulated inside them and some that do not. And that's very critical from a drug delivery perspective. And so if we have tools to tell us which of those AAVs have the genetic material and which do not, that would be a very powerful technique to employ. And people right now are working on using techniques like HPLC to help get, a, get an idea of what is our level of what we call empty capsids versus full. Um, and then we have the, the world of LCMS. So, this technique is really employed at the final stage of AAV manufacturing, and that's because we can get complete structural confirmation of the proteins involved with capsid formation. There's a really big push even from the FDA right now to say, how do you know what is in your final product down to the molecular level? And truly the only technique we have at our disposal to answer that question at this point is LCMS. So that is another um, technique that people are employing to overcome that hurdle. So what, why is it that only LCMS can answer that question, that can provide that analysis of exactly what is inside each capsid and in your final product? It really comes down to the structural complexity of, of things like AAV. So we need the ability to both separate AAV from the highly complex matrix that it finds itself in, hence the LC side of it, so the separation. And then you need a tool that can essentially blast that AAV apart and understand the fractions within that, what we, you know, blasting it. So in other words, we can take, um, we can take the components that are associated with the virus and actually get structural confirmation from MassSpec. So MassSpec is a tool that is um, extremely important for its detection limits. You can see levels of impurities, but it also provides structural confirmation. So you can see down to the protein or amino acid or peptide level within that protein. So if you, if you know what you think you've made, this will give you a confirmation as to whether it's actually there. Okay, so it, it provides a level of detail in terms of the compounds that it can detect beyond other assay methods. So any antibody or Aptima um, methods, would they not be able to provide a similar level of understanding in terms of what is contained within a viral vector? Absolutely. 
So it, it comes down to both the sensitivity. So the, the assays you just mentioned do not have limits of detection as low as mass spec, um, but it also has to do with the detector itself. So because mass spec is a, is a technique based off the mass to charge ratio of certain compounds, you are not limited by certain binding capacities of say an antibody assay where it's a very specific binding event. Mass spec will allow you to analyze anything that has a mass to charge ratio um, and so that makes it a very powerful technique. Okay, um, and so when you are working with those um, with HPLC in these um, these production steps and in the in the development of these AAVs, do you have any tips for best practice when using HPLC? The complex nature associated with AAV manufacturing leads to chromatograms that are often very difficult to interpret, and that's because of the again the complex nature of this matrix that the AAV finds itself in leads to a lot of band broadening and a lot of um, overlapping peaks associated with your chromatogram. So often the detectors that people are using are in the UV region 260 to 80 nanometers, and a lot of non-specific uh, broad banding occurs at that stage. So one area that people are moving to is really fluorescence-based detection methods within HPLC, and that can help with specificity. Fantastic. Um, and when you look to the future of HPLC, specifically in, in, these, uh, in this area, um, where do you think the next big development lies? What do you think needs to be improved? So not specific to HPLC, but to chromatography itself, I think we are really at a precipice where we have not exploited the use of chromatography to its full benefit. Um, there's a big push right now to move towards larger scale chromatography in terms of the purification methods. And I think that's really fantastic because it's both scalable and gentler on the actual product of the virus. And so that's one area that I think will be, uh, we'll see a lot of growth in. But even within HPLC, I think there's a lot more detection that could be done or employed, again, with these analytical checks throughout the process. And so once that just becomes industry standard, that there's an expectation that at each step within the manufacturing process, you provide some level of quality check using things like HPLC and LCMS, I think that will really help drive the field towards understanding where the bottlenecks are and how to ultimately go back to the biology and create a better product in the end. Okay, and overall in AAV development and looking to, to new antiviral vectors, sorry, antiviral vectors, um, adeno-associated <laughs> viral therapeutics that are being being developed in a sort of in, in early stages at the moment. Where are these these new therapeutics heading? What what are they trying to target? So thus far, I've really talked about the characterization of, of the manufacturing process itself for AAVs. A lot of the field right now is focused on the development of the capsids of AAVs. So I mentioned earlier about the tropism or the serotypes associated with AAVs. And again, that will dictate the function or the uh, where the AAVs ultimately end up in the body. And so right now there's a big push in the field to develop better capsid technology to fully dictate where in the body the AAVs will go. Um, and obviously, depending on your, your uh, disease of interest, that's very important, whether it's neurotropic or liver-based, that's ultimately going to depend on how you design the capsid associated with the AAV. So that's a very exciting part of the field right now to say, can we, um, can we dictate where the AAV goes based off the capsid that we engineer or design? Um, additionally, there's always an interest in the field to get higher expression efficiency, so better transduction of the AAV within cells, and this is all really related back to the biology. 
But one would argue if we have very advanced characterization techniques throughout the process, that will dictate or give us insight into where in the biology we really need to focus and put our efforts into. How do you think those developments in terms of, of directing the AAVs to, to specific targets and locations, what kind of paths are people taking in trying to target those AAVs? There's some pretty amazing screening tools that people have implemented in their, in their research facilities. So hundreds of different AAVs can be manufactured at a very small scale and screened for a highest efficiency, both with targeted locations and also the ability to uh, have high expression or transduction. Um, so there's some pretty incredible work right now, again, on a very small scale to do high throughput screening to say, if we make these tiny small modifications within the manufacturing process, how will that ultimately drive or change the location of the AAV and its ability to express or transduce? Now, the challenge there is how scalable are those processes as we do them on very small scales for screens experiments? Um, you know, there's a there's a big um, transition in the field from going on small scale, you know, in well plates to shake flasks all the way up to bioreactors and then very large bioreactors and say, how scalable is this process? If we want to make it on any scale that can actually be used in um, drug therapies, we know we have to scale up quite quite extensively. And so that's one of the challenges right now is to say, how does the high throughput screening on a very small scale translate to an actual, for example, 200 liter bioreactor? Okay. Um, and in AAV um, development and um, so thinking about those that targeting um, challenge and then also the scaling challenge, if you could ask for for one thing, um, and it could be an, an absolute a fantasy piece of technology or um, a better understanding of how um, how how something works. What would it be um, to to really take those um, those developments to the next level? What the field is craving right now is some level of standardization. You would be amazed at how, although everyone is making AAV, they are all using different processes to get to the same answer. And even the details within the processes, is it's like the wild west out there. And so each step requires optimization. So some level of standardization throughout the process would really help move this, this field forward and also help us compare apples to apples. Um, that, that is the, the biggest push right now is to say, why are we all doing this so differently? And how can, we, how can we have some platform that allows us to move through this process quickly and not spend years developing one drug? It's um, it's very interesting. I think a, a lot of the time when I ask that question, that it doesn't really matter what field this is in. It's always standardization. <laughs> it keeps coming back to reproducibility and the fact that um, so many things just keep happening um, as and when a particular lab thinks, okay, well, we're going to do it this way. And then you don't have all of those nice set protocols so that it could be done and uh, up, upgraded and, and scales exactly. through industry. Yeah. yeah. No. And part of, the, part of the issue with that is because, again, we're using old technologies to address a new problem. So everyone is taking something that they've used in a previous life mm. and adjusting it or modifying it to work for a system that is entirely different. And that may not be the best way. Again, it's that ability to think outside the box and say, we don't even want to think about the previous situation or the previous drug that we were working on. This is an entirely new system. How should we approach this new problem? Not with old tools, but with new tools. Yeah, so not not retrofitting what you have already and what you're used to and instead actually going on and being, okay, we need, we need new technologies to, to, to approach these challenges. Um, fascinating. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Bella. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Techniques. 
If you're interested by the topics covered in this episode, you may want to check out our InFocus on HPLC over on www.biotechniques.com, where you can also find more of our Talking Techniques episodes in the podcast section of the site. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.